Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Powerful passage this morning. And to, to kind of put a framework around this passage or to set the stage for it, I want you to imagine, and we hope this wouldn't happen, but just imagine that you had a terrible heart condition. Imagine that the veins that were supposed to bring blood to your heart, they, they're really clogged up. So very little blood, very little oxygen is getting to your heart. So you are weak, weak. You, you can't go to work. You can't drive a car. You can't walk to the kitchen. You can't even get out of bed. You are just completely weak. And let's say that a friend cared for you, put you in a wheelchair, drove you to the doctor, the doctor checks you out, and then imagine that the doctor, after running all these tests, said, hey, there's no problem. Um, if you'll just be a little bit more determined, you'll be fine. If, if you'll just exercise your willpower a little bit more, you'll be able to get out of bed, you'll be able to drive, go to work. If you'll just be a little more committed to this process, there's no problem. You just will your way, you'll have plenty of energy and strength. What would happen? Nothing, because your willpower won't open up the veins of your heart. Your willpower won't solve your heart's problem. What the doctor gave you was wrong, wrong, wrong. You need more help than just your own willpower. Now, here's why I mention that. It's because a lot of Christians try to live their Christian life that way. We have a heart problem. But a lot of Christians think that if we just try harder, we'll be able to overcome these temptations and overcome these lusts and overcome these, these pulls back into the world. If we just try harder. And see, Jesus has given us commands that, that are difficult. He's called us to love our enemies. He's called us to forgive everyone who hurts us, to be devoted to prayer, to, to share our testimony boldly, wisely, but boldly to share. He's called us to battle lust, to battle greed. And if we think that we can do these by our own willpower, we'll be just like somebody who has heart problem, and you're just going to be left lying in bed weak thinking, why isn't this working? It's not working because that's not the way to do it. Your willpower can't change your spiritual heart condition. But I've got great news for you this morning. What Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 is that, yes, even though your willpower can't change your heart condition, God's power can change your heart condition, and here's what you do in order to experience God's power changing your heart so you are freed, so you do have power, so you can obey and overcome these temptations. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Let's read these verses together. Powerful passage. Verse 17. Paul says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, look at verse 17 again. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Paul must have heard about some believers at that church there in Ephesus who were turning back towards falling back into sin. When Paul says, don't walk as the Gentiles walk, he's, he's talking about, use the word Gentiles to describe people who aren't following Jesus, people who aren't trusting Christ. Okay, so we were all Gentiles before we were saved. And Paul says, you must not walk Stop walking as the Gentiles walked. And so some of those in the church at Ephesus were slipping back into sin. And I would guess that some of you need to hear this message very clearly and strongly today because, because you, maybe you're slipping back into sin. It's no surprise that God has you here this morning. So hear Paul's earnestness and seriousness as he writes verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Grace Church, hear that. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's what God's telling us this morning. And to help us with that, Paul starts off explaining how the Gentiles walk. How do the Gentiles, how do unbelievers walk? Look at verses 17 and 18 again, and notice what Paul emphasizes. Verse 17, now, this I say and testify in the Lord you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So here Paul's telling us how the Gentiles walk, but notice he doesn't give us a list of sins here. He does that in other places, but here he wants us to focus on what causes sin. And before we look more closely at what Paul says causes sin, I want you just to, to stop and to think, how would you answer if somebody walked up to you and said, why is there so much sin in the world? What would your answer be? Because I think some people would say, well, it's because there's lack of education. If we just educated people more, there'd be less sin in the world. Or others might say it's because we need more communication. Just get people to talk together and interact together. That'll stop some of the sins, some of the violence. Others might say it's because of difficult childhoods or possibly because of lots of stress in their lives. That's what causes sin in the world. And all of those probably have some role, but none of those are the most important reason why there is sin in the world. None of those are the most important reason why there was sin in us. What is the reason? Paul says it's not because of anything out there, lack of education, communication, stress, the way I was raised. It's about what's in here. That's the reason. Notice in verse 17, he talks about the futility of their minds. God gave us minds so that we could see the reality around us, especially the reality of God, the God who's created the universe in whose presence is our greatest joy to know him, to love him, to know that there's God, to know that we've sinned against God. Our minds are to know that, to understand the cross, 
that Jesus came to die for us, to understand faith and repentance, heaven and hell and eternity. God's given us minds so that we can see what's happening around us and respond appropriately. That's what God intended with our minds. But before we were saved, our minds and all the minds of unbelievers are futile. We did not see the reality of the universe. Our minds didn't operate. We weren't seeing what was out there. And so we didn't feel and act appropriately. So that's the futility of their minds. Then verse 18, Paul says, the Gentiles, and like we were before we were saved, darkened in their understanding. God gave us understanding, just like minds, so that we could be enlightened. It's like you're in a pitch dark room, imagine that, and then you flip the light switch, bloop, all of a sudden, you can see. That's what your understanding does. You can see what's going on. God, sin, Jesus, heaven, hell. You see that. But we were all darkened in our understanding. So instead of having the lights on and seeing, it's like, turn the switch black back off. Bloop, pitch dark. Couldn't see anything. We were darkened in our understanding. Then in verse 18, because of the futility of our minds and being darkened in understanding, we were alienated from the life of God. Underline that phrase, alienated from the life of God. Here's what that means. We were all created by God to have life which is only found in Him. The life you were created for is found in knowing the God of the universe through Jesus, fellowshipping with Him, worshiping Him, trusting him, glorifying him. That's the, the life, the joy, the meaning, the purpose that you crave. It's the life of God. That's what you are here for. But before we were saved, our minds were futile, our understanding was darkened, and this alienated us from the life of God. Then, end of verse 18, Paul tells us the very root cause. We're getting down to the core issue here. Look at the end of verse 18. Let's read the whole verse. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That's just like futility of mind and darkened in understanding, the ignorance that is in them. But then here's the root cause. Due to their, what? Hardness of heart. That's the problem. That's the root issue. So we were alienated from God because of futile minds, darkened understanding, ignorance. But the reason our minds were futile, our understanding was darkened, and we were ignorant is because of the hardness of our hearts. So we were not ignorant of God because we, we didn't have enough evidence. We were ignorant of God because we didn't want evidence. It's not that we didn't have access to enough information is because we didn't want the information. Remember, Romans 1 says God has displayed himself clearly to everyone through creation. And we all have said, not interested, hard hearts. So God has displayed himself through evidences. Like, think about the complexity of your body. It's amazing what our bodies do. He has revealed there's a designer, there's a all-powerful being God who created this, the, the evidence in our own bodies, but our hearts are hard. So we just say, isn't evolution amazing? Wrong answer. We read about Jesus' miracles, raising Lazarus from the dead, feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. It's all there, but our hearts are hard. So we just say, oh, those kinds of things don't happen. It just doesn't happen. What are you thinking? 
Just a few weeks back on Easter, we were talking about 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus Christ physically alive after his crucifixion. But our hearts are hard. We say, that's just all a legend. It has to be. So see, the Gentiles and all of us before we were saved were alienated from the life of God because of our ignorance, which is because of our hardness of heart. That's the root cause. Heart problem. A heart problem. Picture it like this. Imagine a dining room, big, big dining hall with a table just laid out with the most amazing food. Oh, just all kinds of different spices and meats and cheese and vegetables, just the most amazing dishes all laid out in this dining room. And the dining hall is full of people just happily enjoying, feasting, having this food together. Right next door to this dining room is this little kitchen this cold, bare kitchen, a little table in this kitchen, and, and there's this little bowl of cold porridge in this kitchen. And, and there's someone sitting there eating this cold porridge. So you've got the dining hall full of joy and laughter and this fantastic food, everybody's enjoying it, and then here's this little kitchen with, with this person eating this bowl of cold porridge. And between the kitchen and the dining hall, there's this door called ignorance, which is shut, and that door is padlocked by this big padlock called hard heart. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. The dining room is the life we could have in knowing God, the joy and the wonder and the love that we have just in feasting on him and worship and praise and knowing him and trusting him. But before we were saved, we were alienated from the life of God by the door of ignorance that was locked by the hardness of our own hearts. And so we're left there eating the tasteless cold porridge of sin, right? That's what we were all experiencing. And you can see how Paul emphasizes the heart condition of the Gentiles in this passage. Hard hearts blinding them, and this is before we were saved, it was true of us, blinding us to the truth of God. So that's the, 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 the condition that Gentiles were in, verses 17 and 18. Then in verse 19, Paul shows how this resulted in sin. This ignorance resulted from hard hearts and it produced sin. Look at verse 19. As a result of verses 17 and 18, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So before we were saved, we were callous. And that word means dead to feeling, despondent. So our hearts were created to be filled with the joy of knowing God through Jesus. But our hard hearts made us ignorant, and our ignorance kept us from God. And so instead of having our hearts filled, we were left empty, unfulfilled, frustrated. And so as a result, we're just we're frustrated, we're empty. We just gave ourselves over, trying to find something that would excite us or thrill us. So we gave ourselves over to sensuality. We used sex, we used entertainment, we used just sin to try to get some life in our lives. And, and all that sin does satisfy us a little bit, temporarily, right? But it doesn't last, and it's not full, and we're left more empty than before. So that's how the Gentiles walk. And that's how all of us used to walk. 
And then in verses 20 to 21, Paul answers the question, why should we stop walking as the Gentiles walk? Why should we? And look at what he says, verses 20 and 21. He's just described how the Gentiles walk, and then look at what he says in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To see truth is in Jesus Christ. When you were saved, you learned Christ. You heard about him. You were taught in him. And this involved the supernatural work of God taking out your hard heart, Ezekiel 36 says, and giving you a heart of flesh, taking out the hard heart, giving you a soft heart that loved the truth of Jesus. So your new soft heart just was owning up to the truth of what you saw. Of course there's a God. Look at this world. Look at this universe. Look at these bodies. Of course there's a God. And yes, I've sinned against him. He's holy and righteous. I deserve judgment. Oh, but look at the cross. Look at Jesus. Look at his death. I can be forgiven. There's heaven. There's hell. I want you. So our hearts were softened. We owned up to the truth of who Jesus is. We turned to Jesus, we turned from sensuality and impurity and greed, and we embraced the life of God in Jesus. So put this back in terms of the kitchen and the dining room. There you were, you're sitting in the kitchen, eating this cold porridge. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he unlocked that padlock of hard heart. Click, padlock opened up, Jesus opened the door of ignorance, and he said, look in the dining room. And you looked in the dining room, and you, oh, that smells good. And you're looking at the meals that people are enjoying. And then Jesus says, I promise, I will forgive you for all your sin, past, present, and future. You will never face judgment, ever. And I will change you. And I will fill you and satisfy you. And you smell, and you enjoy, and you walk out of the kitchen into the dining hall, and you feast the beauties, the love, the glory of God, and your heart is filled and satisfied with all of God's people. Now, that's why we should stop walking as the Gentiles walk. Because if you are slipping back into sin, you are sitting back in the kitchen eating the cold porridge. That's where, that's where you are. Your heart has started to harden again. You are ignorant. You're ignoring who God is. You're just going for whatever... Sin provides for you, which isn't much, if you're honest. That's why we should stop walking as the Gentiles walk. That's not how you learned Christ. That's not the, the dining hall of feasting on God. You're back in the kitchen eating the cold porridge of sin. See what's happened and say, okay, I've got to stop slipping back into sin. I want to turn around and, and come back. And so then Paul tells us how. Third question. How do we stop walking as the Gentiles do. And he tells us in verses 22 through 24. This is beautiful. But now, but before we read these verses, I, I want us to pick a concrete area of sin that we can kind of walk through this so we can see in real tangible life how this works. So I, I thought I would, I would think about gossip, the sin of gossip. As some of you probably struggle with gossip. Even if you don't struggle with gossip, though, this will be helpful for you to hear how it works for gossip because that will tell you what to do, how to deal with whatever area of sin you are dealing with. So let's take gossip as a clear example. What is gossiping? There's lots of ways to describe it, but, but the way that makes the most sense to me is gossiping is when I'm with a group of people 
and I'm talking about somebody who's not there, and I'm talking about them in such a way as to exalt me in front of these who are listening, either by putting that person down, which I feel like kind of elevates me, or by having inside information about that person, which makes me look really like I'm connected. I've got a lot of wasta. I've got a lot of, lot, lot of influence here, right? So it's talking about another person who's not there in such a way my desire is to exalt myself, to, to lift myself up, to build myself up. That's, that's what gossip is. And God tells us not to gossip. That's the old way of living, not to gossip. And again, I'm sure some of us struggle with gossip. And if we're gossiping, if we're slipping back and we're just pursuing that, we're walking as the Gentiles walk. So how would Paul tell us to stop gossiping? Here's the million-dollar question. Is this just, like, just stop it. Just stop. Like, just stop gossiping. That's not what Paul tells us to do. Look at verses 22 through 24. Start with 20 and 21, though, to get the, the flow of thought here. Verse 20, but that is not how you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so what do we do, Paul? I'm slipping back into gossip, whatever it might be. What do I do? Paul says, verse 22, put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now, that word put off is the Greek word that you'd use to like to take a coat off. Just take a coat off. So we put off our old self, and that phrase old self describes the way we used to live before we were saved. So Paul is simply saying, take off the old way of living, take off gossiping like a coat, just take it off. Now, if we stopped there, we could think Paul is just simply telling you, you can do it, just exercise your willpower, just, just stop gossiping. But it's not that easy, and Paul knows it's not that easy. And that's not what Paul is saying. And we know that because of what he says at the end of verse 22. Did you catch that? Notice that Paul says the old self is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now this is crucial to understand. This verse tells us what is at the root of all sin. What's at the heart of every sin we ever commit? It's deceitful desires. The reason we sin is because we desire something, right? Nobody sins out of duty, John Piper likes to say. Nobody sins because what's, it's about, I, I got to get some sin in here. What should I do? Okay, I guess I'll gossip a little bit. No, we all sin because we want to. There's a desire, but there, it's a deceitful desire. So what's the deceitful desire behind gossiping? Well, it's the deceitful desire that what will make me happy is having these group of people think I'm something. So I can, I can talk bad about somebody else, that'll like lift me up, or I can, I can have inside information, none of them know that'll make me look like really important and really connected. So the deceitful desire is the desire to think that what's gonna satisfy me is having them think I'm hot stuff, I'm, I'm really, really important or whatever. 
that that's what's going to do it for me, and that's a deceitful desire because it's a lie that will not satisfy me. That's like cold porridge compared to the dining hall of feasting on God's glory in Christ. Another example, picture gossip or any sin like a plant growing up out of the roots of deceitful desires. So underground, there's these roots of deceitful desires, and that grows up in gossip. That's why you gossip, because of this deceitful desire that elevating myself above these people is going to satisfy me in some way. Now, we can try to solve gossip just by like, just chop the plant off, just get that thing out of there. But the deceitful desires are still there underground. So what's going to happen? A little bit of gossip starts to grow. Just starts to grow. There it is. Where that guy? I thought I pulled it up. It's like deceitful desires are working underneath, okay, and making that grow. So how do you get rid of gossip? You don't just stop gossiping. Just like grit your teeth. I'm not going to, okay, I did it. I went five minutes without gossiping. But see, the roots are still there. The deceitful desires are still, do it. Gossip. It's going to make you happy, right? So how do you get rid of gossip? You just yank the thing out by the roots, right? You got to be free from the deceitful desires in order to put off gossip and put on more upbuilding conversation. Does that make sense? So notice again, the end of verse 22, your former manner of life is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's what we've got to get freed from. How do we do that? Paul wants us asking that question at the end of verse 22 because the answer is in verse 23. It's right there. How do we put off the old self? Verse 23, by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that mean? It means that if I'm gossiping, then my mind has slipped back into the old way, which is why I need to be renewed. Okay, When I was saved, the Holy Spirit took my old mind, softened my heart. My mind was no longer futile, so my mind was new. But if I've slipped back into sin, then my mind has slipped back into the old way. My heart has become hard. It's not that I have, have, I'm no longer saved, it's that I've slipped back into sin and my mind is no longer seeing the truth of who God is, seeing the glory of Jesus. I'm back eating the porridge again. That's what's wrong. So my mind needs to be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So think about it. There you are with a group of friends and you could be feasting together on the glories of Jesus Christ. You could be building them up in faith. Or if they're not yet followers, you could be sharing your testimony and describing to them the meal, what it's like to be forgiven and to know God's love in your heart. So you could be doing that, but the problem is your heart's become hard. Again, it doesn't mean you've stopped being saved, but it means that that padlock of, of, of your hard heart is once again locking the door of ignorance. And that's why you're involved in the lust of deceit, because you're not seeing the dining hall the door's closed. Just, well, all this, is, this is just this porridge of gossip's all I've got now. Might as well get some joy out of doing something. So that's the problem. So what you need to do is then be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now notice that word renewed, all of you grammar police out there, that's, that's a verb in the passive voice, right? Grammar police? Do we have any grammar police here? Anyway, maybe we don't. Take my word for it. I'm not one either, but I looked it up. Okay, so it's a passive voice verb, which means it's not something you do. It's something that someone else does to you. Who does it? God, by the Holy Spirit. But notice we are commanded to be 
renewed. Which means that there's something that you can do that then will bring God to do what he does, which is to renew your mind. So what do we do that then will bring this mind renewal, this heart change to us? And there's two things that are primary that are all through the scripture. Pray. Pray. And, and if, if when I say pray, if you think, okay, pray, I, I know about pray. No, prayer is awesome in power. When you stop and say, Father, my heart is, is hard again. I, I'm, I'm hardly seeing you. I'm not, even, I'm not sensing anything about love for you. I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm blind, like I'm ignorant to the truth of who you are. I'm, I'm, I'm desiring sin again. I'm back in the kitchen eating the cold porridge. Father, in Jesus' name, help me. Oh, you do that? God is like moving towards you with host of angels and power and the Holy Spirit. I mean, moving in to help you. So don't underestimate the amazing power of simple prayer in Jesus' name. So prayer is crucial. So I would encourage you, take time to say, my heart's hard. My mind is blind. I'm not seeing you. I'm not feeling you. I'm being drawn towards sin. I'm at a bad place. You tell me to be renewed. Only you can renew me, but I'm going to pray now because that's what you said you would, you would respond to. So you pray for help. First step. Second step, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <laughs> Brandish the sword, okay? Pull out the sword. If you're thinking, okay, pray and read the Bible. I hear that all the time and you're going to keep hearing it all the time, okay? Because that's the war. That's the weapons, prayer and the word. When you open up the scriptures and you find a passage that, that displays the glory of God in Christ, and they're all through the Bible, ask your home group leader for help, uh, that little yellow sheet about uh, battle guide for, what's it called? Promise for every problem battle guide, okay? A lot of scriptures there, but find a scripture that displays the glory of God in Christ and just start to linger over it and say, open my eyes, help me to see, show me your glory. Show me. You, you want to fast and pray? Have your home group pray for you. Come forward on a Friday morning and have people pray for you and then open the scriptures. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit will come and click the padlock of hard heart will be opened. Your heart will soften. Holy Spirit will open the door of ignorance. You'll start to, oh, the aroma of that food. Oh, this food is so good, okay? You'll, you'll see what is offered in Christ and you'll leave the cold bowl of porridge and you'll go into the dining hall and you will once again be feasting because the lusts of deceit have been conquered. Who's gonna keep desiring a cold bowl of porridge when the kitchen door is open and the aroma of salmon and lasagna and burritos and uh, biryanis coming in. It's like, forget, right? See, that's how you destroy the deceitful desires with a superior treasure, a, a better desire for God. Does that make sense? It's not by, you're sitting in this, in this kitchen with the door closed and the padlock of hard hearts, I shouldn't eat this porridge of gossip. I'm just not supposed to do it. I'm just not going to eat. Well, you're starving, right? All you've got is sin. But ask God to open the door to unlock your heart, to soften your heart, to give you the smell of the aroma so that you go out and then you feast. You see how that works? 
The reason willpower doesn't work is that willpower doesn't change your desires. But if you will ask for the power of the Holy Spirit and if you will pray over the scriptures, your desires will be changed. You'll be with a group of friends and it's like, let's feast. How's your heart? What's the Holy Spirit doing in your heart? Let me share the scripture I read today. Isn't God good? Let me tell you what he's been doing in, in my work situation or in my neighborhood. And you're feasting on the Lord together. There's no gossip going on there. Well, why? Well, it's because you're feasting. You're not hardened and closed off and back in the kitchen with just a bowl of, of porridge. Pray and open up the scriptures. And then when we do that, we do verse 24. We put on the new self. Once you've been renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 23, once you've experienced the Holy Spirit softening your heart, helping you to once again see the beauty of Christ, see the, the dining hall, he sets you free from the desires of deceit, you will gladly stop gossiping and you'll gladly encourage your brothers and sisters in, in Christ. So do you see what a, a profound difference this is? Rather than trying to battle gossip just by, I'm going I'm to stop gossiping, I'm going to go a day now, just like, what do they call it? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're gritting your teeth, right? You're clenching your fists. Like, that's not how we fight sin. The Holy Spirit wants to change our hearts and set us free from the lusts of deceit. And this is how he does it, by renewing the spirit of our minds as we pray and as we open up the scriptures. Now, three takeaways. What does this mean for us? Let me give you three, three applications to walk away with. First, this is if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Here Paul describes what's going on inside of you right now. This is the truth of what's happening in your heart right now. And this might sound harsh, but listen, this has been true of all of us in this room. This is the truth. That is, the problem is your heart is hard. It's sinful. Ours, ours was too. Your heart is hard and sinful, and that's why you, are, you, you don't want to see the truth of God. You don't want to see the truth of Jesus. You don't want to see the truth of the cross and of heaven and hell. You just don't want it. You're willfully blind to the truth of who God is. That's what's going on inside of you. We love you. We were all there. We didn't save ourselves. Jesus saved us, and Jesus can save you. If you will look to Jesus right now and say, help me. Forgive me, change me, lead me into that dining room. He will do it right now. You can be set free. The padlock of hard heart click will be opened. The door of ignorance will swing open. You'll get the aroma. You can look in, check out the dining hall and walk in. Leave the cold porridge of sin and walk in to feast on who God is in Jesus. So here Paul tells you what's going on inside of your heart. This is the truth. Please own up to the reality of it and put your trust in Jesus this morning, right now. Second, if you're a follower of Jesus, see what sin you need to put off, what obedience you need to put on. What is it? What is it? Don't excuse it. Don't say, well, that's just an area of weakness I've got. Of course it is. We've all got that. That's what sin is, right? Areas of weakness we've all got. Right, But it's sin, Most, more important to call it sin. So see, what area of sin do you need to put off? What area of obedience do you need to put on? I was praying last night, this morning, that, that the Holy Spirit would just right now pinpoint, this is the area I want you to put off. 
this is what I want you to put on. Is he doing that in your heart right now? It's like, okay, we've all got something, right? We do. So see what sin you need to put off, what obedience you need to put on. And then third, do this by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's how. Not just trying hard. Some of you, you may have tried to live your whole Christian life by just trying hard. And you've never realized that it's the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and through the word which changes your desires. Oh, by the way, it doesn't mean this is easy. It's war to see your desires changed. Hello? Is that true? It's war to see your desires changed. You've got to fight the fight of faith. You've got to battle tooth and nail. But as you do in prayer and the word, the Holy Spirit comes and your heart is supernaturally changed. You can't change your own heart no matter how hard you battle. But he can. And he will as you battle. So do this by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Don't just grit your teeth and cut off the weed of gossip or just cut off the, the top of the weed of lust or greed or unforgiveness or anger or whatever it might be. It'll grow right back. Take time to just come before the Lord and pray. Change my heart. Remember in Psalm 51, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. That's what he's praying. Create a clean heart in me. Lord, look at this lustful, murderous, adulterous heart. Forgive me. Create a new heart in me. Pray that. He will. And then pray over passages describing God's glory and beauty in Jesus until the Holy Spirit then comes and softens your heart and you will feel his glory. You'll taste his love. You'll You'll see the porridge for what it is. The door will be open. You'll leave, and you'll be back in the dining room feasting on the glories of Jesus with all your brothers and sisters. Are you slipping back into sin? Are you kind of playing games with that, treating that casually, not taking it as seriously as you should? Paul says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Do you hear the power of that? You must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. And the good news is, here's how. Call upon the Lord. Open up the word. He will free you from the lusts of deceit. And you'll feast once again. Okay, let's stand together. Father, I pray that you'd bring your power upon us through this passage of your word. We're all in different places. I pray for those here who are not yet trusting Jesus. Lord, that they would see this is the truth of what's happening in their hearts. They have a hard heart because of sin. And that's why they're not owning up to the truth of who you are. But you can change their heart. Lord, let them see that this morning. And you're calling them, come. Come, I'll change your heart. I'll soften your heart. I will save you. I'll forgive you through Jesus. Lord, right now, save them, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those here who especially are sensing that they've been slipping back into sin. They've been walking as the Gentiles walk. They've been walking according to their former manner of life. God, right now, convict them. Don't let them get any rest, Lord, until they own up to this and fall on to their knees before you and cry out to you for help and 
And then, Lord, renew their, their minds, renew the spirit of their minds. Set them free from the lusts of deceit, I pray in Jesus' name. Bring them back to feasting. And, Lord, all of us, change how we battle sin from this passage. Let us not just try to lop the weed of gossip off on the top, but let us yank the thing out by its roots. Let us pray and seek you in the word until our hearts are changed. Do that, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.